I've got the privilege of preaching the last uh, sermon in a series that we've been uh, opening up. I haven't been part of this series, but we're talking about what works. Uh, How many like to know that something works before you're engaged with it? If you're buying something, you do your research because you go, man, I want to know it works. I want to know it's fit for purpose. I know that I'm not just buying something useless. I'm not uh, spending my money, uh, engaging my energy. I'm not doing this for nothing. I want to know that this works. And when it comes to faith and our walk with Jesus, it's so important that we walk with the conviction that what we're involved in works. I I want to testify today that, you know, God's plan works. I've seen it, not just here in New Zealand. I've seen it at work right now all around the world, and and it works. And a lot of people still have questions around that. In fact, if you're buying into a strategy, if you're putting a new strategy in place in a business, you want to know that it's going to work before before you see it at work. When it comes to a diet, how many know you want to know it works? If you're going to suffer, if you're going to restrict what you put in your mouth, you want to know that it's going to take you to where you want to go. Uh, if it doesn't work, it's like, well, what's, what's the use? And, you know, when it comes to everything God's called us to, you know, you've got, you got to understand, trusting in Jesus works. I know a lot of people, you know, go, well, can I trust that? Can I trust government? Can I trust my boss? Can I, can I trust my family members? Oh, one thing I want to say is you, you can trust Jesus because he does have a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with your finances. Come on, everybody who tithes knows that. You can trust him with your relationships. You can trust him with the dreams of your heart. You can trust him that he's got the right person for you, for all the single people out there. You you can trust him in every area of your life. Come on, do I get an amen to that? You can trust him with your business. You can trust him in your career. You can trust him in the course course that you've enrolled in. You can trust him in all those areas because we've got to know that God's way actually works. And I want to just really put that forward strong at the end of this, this series, you know, because many people ask, well, does it work? I know when you're young, you have a whole lot of theories, but when you've been following Jesus for some time, the theories go from, uh, from theories to experiences. And, and, and you know that you know. It's not just, oh, I think this works. No, I know that this works. I've been following Jesus for over 40 years, been in Christian ministry over 20-something years. And and I know that this works. And I've seen it work. And I want to put forward that God's way works. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's way works. But how many know God's ways aren't our ways? Uh, We need to remind ourselves of that. God's ways on our ways. And I found uh, when it comes to God, what worked yesterday, just because it worked yesterday doesn't necessarily mean it'll work today. Now, what worked as an infant may not work as a teenager. What worked as a teenager might not work as a married person. The things you did as a teenager, that's not going to help you once you're married. 
when you're married with no kids, how many know life takes on a different context? It has a different meaning to it. And when you had no children, uh, what you did then may not work now. I like what Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, but once I became a man, once I grew up and became an adult, I put childish things away. And some of us don't realize that when it comes to God's way, you know, what worked yesterday may not actually work today. God works in seasons and cycles, and, and how He works things is, is through relationship. I, I'm glad when it comes to Equipus Churches worldwide uh, that we're not together because we're part of the same institution. Uh, the institution of Equipus has not kept us together in this last season. Relationship is the foundation of who we are. And I love the fact that in two weeks' time, we've got Acts Conference, and, and people are coming from around the world because they value relationship. I value the relationships in this room. I value the team in this room today. And it's relationships that actually hold us together. And it's relationship that helps us understand how God works. I mean, no, God is predictably unpredictable. He's predictably unpredictable. He won't fit in your box, which is frustrating. And you've got to understand, if you're going to know God's ways, you've got to know Him. But to know Him, you've got to know His ways. See, many of us right now, we're acquainted with the works of God. We know how God works but we're not necessarily familiar with His ways. See, His works is what He does. His ways represent who He is. A lot of people in church today, they're familiar with His works, but not His ways. The Israelites were like that when they came out of Egypt. They saw His works up close. They saw the 10 plagues. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw uh, the cloud, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. So they were familiar with the, the works of God, but they didn't know the ways of God. In fact, they were infatuated with His miracle working power, but they didn't know Him intimately. So when things didn't look the way that they thought they should look, what happened is they started whinging, they started complaining, and they started doubting God. I wonder whether that happens to you and I, because we don't understand his ways, and when he does something that, that we think, well, I don't reckon he sh that should happen that way, we start questioning him. And in Exodus chapter 33, it's, it's a well-known passage at Equippers, because this comes from one of our heartbeats is to honor. Uh, one of our hearts cry is, is in the, this passage that I'm going to read out. Because uh, we often say, God, if your presence isn't in it, we don't want to go. Uh, we, we don't want to move forward in this life without you. And in, in verse 13 of Exodus 33, it says, If you're pleased with me, this is Moses, he says, Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways so that I might know you. Wow. How we get to know God is we know his ways. And in knowing his ways, we actually learn a little bit more of who he is. And he says that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. He's a little bit done with them. They've been stubborn. And he says, remember, this nation, they're your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
There's a lot of people right now in our society that are restless. But it's his presence, get this, it's his presence that gives us rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? How many know when it comes to our walk with Jesus, it's his presence that distinguishes us. It's his presence that identifies us. And I love Moses because God said to Moses, take the people into the promised land. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of them. They're a stiff-necked people. They're stubborn. They're hard to move. So God said, take them into the promised land. But Moses said, no, 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 no. If you don't go with us, we don't want to go. What he was saying in essence is, he was saying, God, I'd rather live in the wilderness with you than in the promised land without you. How many know that's a big call? See, a lot of us go, well, I want to see the works of God. I want to see God work in my life, work in my career, work in my health, work in my finances. But we want the works, but we don't understand his ways. His works are what he does. His ways are who he is. You know, I wonder whether we'd cry out like Moses and say, God, I need to know your ways. If I'm going to do this big thing that's ahead of me, I need to know how you work. See, the Lord, in verse 14, it says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. What we all desire is we desire rest. Some of us think that's a holiday, but how many know you can be on holiday and still be restless? It's not a holiday. You'll be at rest in you. Uh, Listen to this. Um, Psalm 103, verse 7. I love when you uh, research through the Bible and you, you see stuff that you've never seen before. And, and in Psalm 103, verse 7, listen to this. He made known his ways to Moses. So he made known his ways to Moses, but he know his acts he made known to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel, they only knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. And there's a difference between God's works and knowing his ways. And, and the difference is the same difference between rest and relapse. Rest and relapse. Some of us right now, we've seen God move in our life. We've seen God step in in the gaps. We've seen Him work miracles in our life. But if the truth be known, we haven't progressed. In a lot of ways, we've just gone around the mountain. And we've found ourselves in the same position and condition before God did a miracle in our life. God worked, but nothing's changed in us. And so we've experienced the work of God, but we don't understand His ways because when it comes to the work of God, the miracle working power of Jesus, God works so He changes something within us. Do you know you can receive a miracle in your life and not get the nutrients and the nourishment that God's purposed for that miracle. It's like you can eat food and it just go through your body, but it doesn't benefit you in any way. Do you know a lot of people today, they can see God move in amazing ways, but it, in a lot of ways does nothing to change who they are. 
It doesn't bring transformation to their life. Listen to Hebrews 3 verse 8. It says, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. For 40 years, a whole generation saw the works of God, but they ended up dying in the wilderness. It says, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You can experience the works of God and still not be at rest. See, those who know God's ways are going to know God's rest. Come on, how many want some rest? Real rest. Not, not, not the rest that the world talks about, but rest on the inside. You can have a storm happening around you, but be at peace and rest on the inside. See, at the Red Sea, Moses was the only one who didn't panic. Everyone else panicked because they could see what was happening. Because they didn't know his ways. If all you can see is God's works, then when God doesn't work in the way that you thought he should, what you'll do is you'll push the panic button. That's why some of you are so frazzled right now. You're upset because your dependence is on his works, but you don't understand his ways. Here's the deal. To know him is to trust him. To know him is to trust him. If you knew him, you'd trust him more. I learned this when I got diagnosed with the incurable disease. I've told the story before. I had two operations, two major operations. First operation, they told me I was going to come out with a bag and I was going to come out with all this stuff. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Anyway, I went under, they did the operation and it didn't happen. But my faith was an immature faith because my faith was in the event of God working this through and me not coming out with a bag. But what happened is my body didn't take to it. In fact, it got worse after, you know, even after, I was worse off after the first operation than I was beforehand. And so I needed a a second operation. And by that time, I'd been in hospital for over 35 days. And I was at a point, I was going like, oh, whatever, God. (laughs) I was going, whatever, your plans are to prosper me and to give me a future. And they said, oh, well, this time we're not going to be able to do it. Definitely not be able to do it without giving you a bag. And I'm going like, whatever. God, you are good. See, in the first instance, my faith was in the event of healing. In the second, come to the second surgery, my faith was in the person of Jesus. See, a lot of people put their faith in the event, in the works, but they don't understand his ways and who he is. And even if I had a bag, how many know God has ability to work all things together for good, for those who love him, and accord according to his purpose? Here's the deal. Second operation, no bag. And since that second operation, not a sign, I'm on no meds, there's not a sign of that disease in my body. But the biggest miracle was not God's healing. The biggest miracle is I got a greater understanding of who God is. I learned His ways. See, faith does not come from striving. Some of you right now, I need to work up my faith. Faith does not come from striving. Faith comes from surrender. It's not about working up something. It's about giving away. Giving away control. Giving away your way and saying, God, your way is higher than my way. 
Now, I love Jesus because he illustrated the way the kingdom works. In Matthew chapter 13, there's a whole lot of parables. Like the kingdom of God is like this. He tells one parable, the parable of the sower. But he doesn't just leave people hanging. He actually gives an explanation of how the kingdom of heaven works. So it gives us understanding as to the way God works. And so we're gonna just quickly unpack this parable. And I love the fact that he's explained a lot of it here. So, so we've already got some insight. <laughs> so some parables, it's like, oh, okay, I need to pray about that. Uh, but this one, he puts some definition around it. Okay, uh, Matthew 13, verse 18, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the saw. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. So you hear it and you don't understand it. Then the wicked one comes in and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That happens a lot on Sunday. People hear the word of the kingdom. They don't understand it. Then the enemy comes in, snatches away what was in their heart. And so they come next week, same process, but it brings no change. They don't move forward. They're just in the same place. Then it says, then this is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground, on the good ground, is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Question is, what is your condition? How are you hearing the word of God? See, the issue in this parable is not with the seed. The seed works. It works. It, it works. The seed works. It'll bring a harvest. The issue is with the soil, not with the seed. The fourth, there's, there's four, four soil type conditions in this one. The fourth comes as a result of gardening. If you want to receive a harvest of 100, 60, 30, you've got to do some gardening. Yeah, the other three conditions happen as a result of doing nothing. You just need to do nothing and you'll have stones in your garden. You just need to do nothing and you have thorns in your garden. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? When I bought my house, I thought I want a low maintenance house. It's got stony garden. But even those stony gardens get weeds. Yeah, get, get weeds. You just need to do nothing. And many people go, well, this whole Christian deal, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're not working it. You've got to garden your heart. See, the first type of soil lacked understanding. That's what it lacked. That's why the seed didn't reproduce. In fact, what happened, because there was no understanding, the enemy came in and snatched that seed away. See, right now, we live in a culture where we define understanding as nothing more than cognitive reason. 
That's what, if I can explain it, if I can comprehend it, it must be real. But in Scripture, it defines it differently. Understanding is an experience. In fact, understanding from a biblical concept means to learn through your five senses. That means today a lot of people can have head knowledge, but if that head knowledge does not lead you to an experience, that seed that's been planted in your life will actually be robbed from you. That's why a lot of people come to church and go, well, it doesn't work. Well, you did nothing with it. You, you didn't step out. See, see, biblical understanding is more than intellectual knowledge. Knowledge is increasing at a rapid rate. You know, it's exponentially increasing in the world today. We've had more knowledge and more information than we've ever had before. But receiving the kingdom is not according to your intellect. It's not according to your IQ. If it was, that would mean only intelligent people could access the kingdom of God. Only those with their education. But I'm love the, I love the fact that God's way is He makes the kingdom accessible to even the youngest child, the little child. The little child can receive the kingdom even more than adults. Why? Because when you're old, you let your intellect get in the way. See, understanding, get this, and you may want to write this down. Understanding comes by practicing in real life what has come to you by revelation. It's practicing in real life what has come to you in revelation. Let's go, verse 19 again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes in and snatches away what was sown in his heart. I, I want to say God wants to lead you right now into a new experience of him. But if that's going to happen, get this, and you've got to work with me right now, understanding follows experience. Understanding follows experience. Many people go, well, once I have understanding, then I'll have faith. That's not the way it works. Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand, by faith we understand. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So, so it's not I understand and then I have faith. No, I have faith. I step out into the unknown and then I understand. Come on, you follow me. I, I, by faith I, I understand. We don't have faith because we understand. See, one person put it this way. Learning is cognitive. It's mechanical, but knowing is spiritual. How many know there's some things that you know right now that you can't explain? Uh, but you know that you know that you know. And nobody can take it. From, you've had an encounter. You've had an experience. And you know it, but you can't explain it. You know, and I'll give you an illustration of how this works. Now, right now I could speak on, let's say, prayer and fasting. How many are looking forward to the fast coming up in November? I don't know if you ever look forward to a fast. Uh, you look forward to what it reproduces in your life, but you don't actually look. Uh, look forward to it. Now, now we're, we're going to do a, a corporate fast because we want to see breakthrough in Jesus' name. Come on, we are refurbishing a theater. It's costing money. We need to see breakthrough in those areas. We need breakthroughs in salvations, breakthrough in healings. We want to see God move in power. Now, I could give you testimony 
of how fasting has worked in my life. I could give you biblical examples. I could take you there. I could, I could move you right now to fast and pray. But here's the thing. If you don't do anything with it in the next few days, that word will be snatched from your life. And it removes the power then to transform your life. Get this. Revelation takes you halfway. Experience takes you all the way. Revelation. I know that. No, you know about it, but you don't know it. You you don't really know. Because if you knew it, you'd engage. If If you knew it, you wouldn't be hesitant. If you knew it, you'd know that it works. Come on, you're following me right now. If you knew it, yeah, you, you would do something about it in the moment. And the reason why a lot of people can hear the word and you go, oh, I don't know if it works, is because they don't do anything with it. Revelation takes you halfway, experience takes you all the way. See, you need a context to put that word in. I mean, no, context is really important. A lot of misunderstanding happens because people don't understand context. And when it comes to the Word of God, it's so important that we have a context of the impossible to be able to put that Word in. Otherwise, it's like, it's not going to work. It won't work. You've got to have a context to put that Word in. If you're desperate and you're in need of something, how many know you're more engaged? I need to hear from you. You start praying. When everything's going well, it's like, oh, hurry up, Sam. But when you're desperate, you're wanting God to speak because you've got a context to be able to put that word in. I was just in Slovakia, and they were talking about Slovakia over uh, during communism. And it's like, we have so little understanding in New Zealand, how sheltered and protected we are. But during communism, they, they'd say that they'd, they'd have weddings, and the weddings would often go for hours. They normally have four preachers at a wedding. Four people preaching at a wedding. How many would want to go to that wedding? Everybody in New Zealand said, no way. You know, 15 minutes is too long. But you've got to understand the context of what they were living in. They couldn't gather together. They couldn't get youth together. Communism would just come and shut it down. And, and they'll be locked up. They'll be in prison. And so what they'll do is every time somebody got married, they'll go, here's an opportunity for a youth conference. And so what they do is they would actually bus in youth. They didn't even know the couple, but they'd bus in youth to this, this wedding because that was the place, the only place where they could hear the Word of God. And that's why four people would speak, four people would preach because, man, we've got to make the most of this opportunity. They can't stop the wedding. They can't stop the church, but they can't stop the wedding. Imagine doing tribal wars at a wedding. That would happen. See, unless you understand the context of what they're living in and the need and the desperation, how many know four messages make sense? But it doesn't make sense unless you understand the context. The problem with a lot of people, why they don't receive the Word of God is they've got no context. They haven't built an environment in their life where they need God. Where they need God. So I'm bored, I'm bored at church, I'm bored of my devotions, I'm bored. And it's because, yeah, the seed goes in, but it gets robbed from you. Because you're playing it safe. 
And that's not how God works. The seed. Come on, the seed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's more about the condition of our heart. The second soil type was it lacked depth. It was on the stony so on the stony place, these are, these are people, it says here, they receive the word with joy. Yes, amen. Come on. But these are the people who are in church if their friends are in church. Uh, these are the people who are partying if their friends are partying. Uh, these are the people who, who give if their friends are giving. Uh, the people, they're there, but they haven't formed their own convictions. Here's the deal. You know your convictions by what you continue to do under pressure and persecution. You know your convictions. You know them by when the pressure comes on. Uh, you know, COVID, talk about church. Church was convenient. Some of us didn't even get out of our pajamas. And convenience, and we embrace the convenience culture. And, and the danger is convenience can't reproduce what only conviction can. And I come to church on Sunday, I'm in here not because I've got a job, I, I do it because I've got a conviction it's important for the people of God to gather together. I need this, you need this, your family needs this. This is not an option. But in today's Western society, we're all about convenience, Uber Eats. You know, we're going from drive through drive through was convenient, but now we don't even have to get in our car. It arrives at our doorstep. And some of us want the Word of God at our doorstep, and we, uh, it's, like, it's all about convenience, but where's the conviction? You, you receive the Word at home in your pajamas with joy, but it's not going to take any root because it's not received with any level of conviction. See, so many people are governed by their feelings, but our feelings lie to us. Many places, oh, I'm tired hungry. Oh, that's too hard. Come on, we need to rein in those freaky feelings. And it's time to reap the benefit of God's Word. See, we need faith for where our feelings run out. Come on, we need faith for where our feelings run out. I want to say, Equipage Church is not a convenient church. You've got to pay for parking. Yeah, we've moved venues. But I, want to, I don't want to build a church based on convenience. Come on, we're not discipling people if we're just pandering to your every need. Some of you need to get a conviction in your spirit. God's called me. I'm called to this. I'm planted here. And if I plant myself, I'm going to flourish in Jesus' name. Come on, do I get an amen to that? See, the institution has not kept us together as a worldwide movement. It's a conviction. We're called to one another. I'm not here just by choice. God's positioned me. And when you understand that, it's like your engagement goes to a whole nother level. Okay, third, third group of soil is, soil type is it just lacks oxygen. What happens is the thorns come in and choke the Word of God. So they hear it, they accept it, it starts to grow, but there's thorns that come around and in the end choke that Word. I want to ask you the question, what in your world right now is wearing you out? What in your world is bearing, beating down on you? Here's what it says in this parable. It's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. 
The other two things that choke God's word in your life. The cares of this world. We're just consumed by the cares of this world. What I'm doing tomorrow, organization. And they choke the word of God. Oh, my life's too busy. Oh, I've got to do this, got to do that. Cares of this world. We're stressed, we're anxious, cares of this world. And they choke the word's ability to reproduce in your life. The cares of this world keep us from rest. The cares of this world. The other thing they chose the word is the deceitfulness of riches. That's right, the deceitfulness of riches. Many of us think, well, if I had that money, their problem would go away. We think money is our answer. Now, money is helpful, amen? It is very, very helpful, but it's not our answer. God is our answer. And anytime you look to money to answer your problems, you've bought into a lie. Some of you thought, man, if I won lotto, all my problems would go away. No, you'll just have more problems. Uh, the research says that's true. But you think money works. No, money doesn't work. God works. And you need God's hand on your money. Money is helpful. It's helpful. But it's deceitful too. Don't buy into that lie. We're not supposed to seek money or fame. We're supposed to seek the kingdom. And if you seek the kingdom, all those things will be added unto you. That's the way God works. If you prioritize other things, you'll find things won't work. But if you prioritize God, it's amazing how other things come into light. And you've got to understand, God works this way. Why? Because He's jealous. He doesn't mind you having stuff, but He does mind when stuff has you when it becomes all that you think about, all that you meditate on. He doesn't even get a look in. Like what the psalmist said in Psalm 137, verse six, it says, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. That would be awkward. Just put your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Imagine it being stuck there. It'd be, yeah, awkward. Some of you are doing it right now. It'd be awkward. Let, the t- let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. What he's saying is, hey, there's many things that can bring enjoyment in this world. But make sure God and even His house, His purpose is your chief joy. Is your chief joy. So all good, enjoy creation. Enjoy stuff. But don't make it your chief joy. Don't make it the thing that you go after. Because it has the ability, if you're not careful, to choke the Word of God. Let's make sure we don't become like the prodigal son who gets the blessing from the father, then leaves the father who blessed him. Come on, don't choke. Don't get to the final and then lose in the last minutes. Some of us are chokers. Some of us support teams that choke. Choke all the time. You know, it's almost they get there, but they never cross over. They're not like Equippers FC who convert. You don't, don't just promise. Don't choke. Choking is a horrible way to die. It must be horrible. Oh, yeah. If you ever choke before, it's not nice because what, what's the thing? You live, give us, you live in the presence of what you need, but you can't access it. It's all around you. You live in the presence of what you need. Yeah but you can't access it. 
Something's obstructing it. There's, there's something in the way. It's like, I, I, I want to breathe, but I can't breathe. There's air all around, but there's something lodged in your throat that's causing you to choke. I, I, I can't. And too many Christians, when it comes to God's call and God's purpose, they hear the word, but then the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches come and entangle themselves around that word and they choke that word. Come on, don't be a choker. It's not time to choke, equip his church. Come on, we've got too much to do in this nation, but also nations around the world. This is a sending church. This is a church where we wanna see people discipled and sent forth on mission. This world right now is in desperate need, in desperate need of a church that's alive, where the Word of God goes in and it produces hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Now's not a time to observe. You know, a lot of people today make observations, observations. But the kingdom of God does not come by observation, Jesus said. It comes when we obey. It comes when we bring alignment. We say, God, your ways are so much higher than my ways. God, I don't want my ways to get in the way of your ways. Help me to know your ways that I might know you. Come on, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you know His ways. His ways tell us about who He is. Let's not be infatuated by His works without knowing His ways. There's a way that seems right to man and it ends in death. It seems right, but death is its end. If you hold on to your life, you'll end up losing your life. But if you surrender your life and give it over to Jesus, it's then and there you'll find life. That's the way of God. Some of us try and circumnavigate that. Go, God, I'll just skip that and I want you to work in my life. But God says, no, I want you to know my ways. Because God's ways are far better than our ways. Come on, do I get an amen to that? Amen, because His ways bring a harvest to our life. Many of us are frustrated because we've seen God do miracles, but we're in the same position and condition. I wanna declare God wants to move you forward. There's nothing wrong with the seed. If you just do some gardening in your heart, that seed will reproduce in Jesus' name. Amen.